welcome to Top Fives, the show of everything. Top Fives, presented by The Sex Effects. I'm Joey Prati. And I'm Sean Day. And folks, we just have a, a, a monochromatic, lovingly put together piece of entertainment for you this evening. Um, but before we get to all that, Jonathan, uh, how are you, my friend? I am. I am so hot right now, man. It's freaking Los Angeles. It's burning down over here. Yeah, dude. you are. Yeah, you are, yeah, buddy. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Set myself up for that one. <laughs> but dude, it was, like on Friday, it was like a hundred and twelve degrees in my area. Fuck all of that. <clears throat> Seriously, I am. I just cannot. Do you miss I, the Bay Area? I, I do. I, I and in fact, I, at work and everywhere else, I'm like, man, you know what? I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm for their live show this weekend. I'll be in the uh, the Bay Area and in the uh, Peninsula of Monterey. And um, what do you yeah, say? Can I, we convince you to move back? Is it too much to ask at this point? <laughs> <laughs> man, I was just thinking about that though, because I, I like being next to the ocean, man. That's the one thing um, that makes you can it. move in with me. I have a, I have a spare room, dude. You know, you got the you got the man cave too down there. I do have the man cave. We can do manly things together <laughs> down here. <laughs> Whatever that means, man. Whatever that means, interpret it as you will. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to escape the heat right now, and um, yeah, just trying to stay cool <sighs> and get it over being sick, which sucks. It's all, it was a quick little weird sickness, but I think it's the weather. Got, I blame gonorrhea for this one. No. <laughs> But it's a heat stroke, I would say. Oh, okay. Um, or just a dry throat or something like that. It's something to do with this weather, man. I just don't feel at 100%. But I'm going to bring my 100% for the show today. So, Fuck yeah. Um, Joe, what, what are you up to this week? Um, it is a Monday. It is, it is a fucking Monday. Um, this Monday has kicked me in the crotch, and um, my testicles have ascended back up into my stomach, and I've been kind of writhing around in pain but um i was about to say do you feel lightened <laughs> they, they are descended now that we are doing the show and i'm back to you know back to neutral i'm back to good i'm back to being excited um yep. we've got as you said the live show on friday um july 13th so this episode i think we're going to talk about we're recording it monday i think we'll drop it on thursday so tomorrow kids if you're in the monterey area um come out and uh watch us most likely make fools of ourselves um at east village <laughs> cafe we've never done this show live so it'll be it'll be really interesting i'm really excited to see how it turns out and if it if there is a turnout um and if not either way there are bars two blocks away so we're good um yeah <laughs> so we're covered <laughs> yeah um but other than that man i'm just i'm just excited to be talking to you and and, and getting to some some tasty lists here um lists. trying to think i can't think of any news this week that uh, that we're missing out on. Um, I was reading something today, and I was like, oh, maybe, but not. if I can't even remember it, it's probably not even. Oh, our deepest, deepest sympathies to co-creator of Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, Steve Ditko, um, and his family passed away at the age of 90. I didn't even know he was still alive. I alive. thought Stanley was the last one left, um, mm-hmm. but he's not, uh, or I guess now he is. But um, Steve Ditko drew, drew, you know, the really kind of weird looking people. If you look at um, the first issues of Spider-Man from, from 63, I think Spider-Man debuted, mm-hmm. um, you know, his characters 
they they weren't glamorous or beautiful. They they had but they had distinction and they had qualities to them that that were relatable and made them relatable. And um, the dude knew how to tell a story uh, visually. And yeah. um, so it's it's a bummer that he didn't get as much. Um, I mean, he, he was a very private person. Obviously, if we just found out he was still alive by the fact that they announced that he was dead, you know what I mean? You're like, wait, yeah, what? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but you know, as much as I, because I, I do, I love Stanley very much. But um, there's just too many stories out there to ignore the fact that you know these artists probably did a lot more work than Stanley ever did, um, and they didn't get their fair shake from Marvel. So it's yeah. it's a bit of a bummer. Um, you know, you hear horror stories of people like Jack Kirby, um, or, you know, I think it was Jack, Jack Kirby who had to buy his original artwork back from Marvel. You know, yeah, they made really? all this money off of him and they were like, yeah, you can have it back, but you're going to have to pay us for it. You know, just shit like that. But, you know, the big, and both companies are, are guilty of that, DC and Marvel. And it's just a shame, um, mm-hmm. that they treated the people who created those characters. And well, not only created that. the characters, but built the fucking house, you know? Yeah. Like, and they're gonna they're gonna just kind of treat them that way. But that's that's people in power. That's business for you, right? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna get off my soapbox. That's the only piece of news I'm gonna bring to the table. <laughs> so rest in peace, Steve Ditko. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nothing. Nothing else I can think of, Joe. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You ready to get in some lists? I'm ready to get in some fucking lists, my friend. Would you like to go first? Or would you like me to go first? Uh, Joe, you go first, man. All right, man. So um, last night I was watching this movie, RKO 281. It's an, it was an HBO movie. And it was about the making of Citizen Kane. And uh, Liev Schreiber plays Orson Welles. Um, John Malkovich plays Mankiewicz, the guy who wrote the screenplay. And um, I'm blanking on his name. You'd know him if you saw him. He always plays an evil white dude. Um, played William Randolph Hearst. Um, oh, I'm blanking. Out. I'm going to find it right now. Give me three seconds. <laughs> Ready? Ready on this? James Cromwell. Oh, yeah. I remember, yeah. yeah. He's a bad guy in you know, LA Confidential and that kind of thing. Milling Griffith is also in it. And it's not a very well-made movie, but it's, it's decent. It tells the story, and it just made me think about like older movies. And one thing we haven't talked about on this show is, is specifically... Um, black and white films. So, uh, Shawnee, off the top of your head, what are your top five favorite black and white films? Oh, man. Whew. This is hard. I know you have a more of a movie, <laughs> uh, movie collection with a lot more black and white films in there. I do. Oh, man. <laughs> That's tough, man. Uh, hmm. Casablanca? Hell yeah. Black and white. It was colorized uh, in the eighties, but fuck that. Yeah, that's what I was like, I was like, <laughs> oh my god, is that right? I remember seeing because I remember seeing a colored version of it, but um yeah, I mean I would say definitely the pinnacle of like noir films and uh that the everything, the score and all the different elements that are working towards the the film. And to see it in black and white and to, to kind of get all those kind of that depth within the film and, and, you know, certain things that grab, you know, that's what it is. It's, you know, black and white, even though there's only so many, so much contrast between them, um, it, 
sometimes directors and the way they shoot things um, in the film really helps kind of guide the the viewer and maybe lead them to kind of associate things with what they're seeing or, or what they're hearing. Um, so it's interesting to see like black and white films, even though that was, uh, you know, that's how film was back in, you know, in the, in that time. Um, and before we got to color, um, color, um, film, but I mean, at the same time, it, it was also an art style in its own way, like the way they had to light certain things. So Casablanca always comes to mind. Um, I love the score on it. That's why I always gravitate towards it. So hell yeah. Uh, Casablanca. A kiss is just a kiss. <laughs> play, it, um, play it, Sam. <laughs> play as time goes by. <laughs> um, man. Oh, man, this is hard. Think about this, too. There's modern movies that are black and white. I'm yeah. not limiting it to old movies. Yeah. I mean, I could say... I really like Sin City. That was very interesting how they used right black and white. Um, With and pops of color and everything. Pops of color every now and then. So, yeah, I guess, yeah. I mean, I know that's a mixture of different, you know, those colors in there. But, I'll allow um, it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I like how it was, it uses, um, again, uses the... Uh, the amount of depth within certain, you know, what people are wearing, the clothing, or, and that's, you know, the, the, that's kind of now a film that I would feel now goes into it, you know, uh, with black and white. So I feel like, you know, the directors and, and all the art direction was kind of catered towards that style. So I feel like it's interesting to watch it in that way of, like, they kind of knew beforehand how these shots should be and they wanted to emphasize certain things and that's why they made them darker or the the way the texture is um but yeah that's all i can, I can think of sin city as as far as something that's kind of in the modern realm or just recently um fuck man this is this tough problem. this is tough uh oh man there's uh oh man there's, there's so many different things i'm thinking of I don't know if, uh, there's, <clears throat> it's not the whole movie, but there's certain uh, black and white scenes in a movie called Big Fish, directed Ooh, okay. by Tim Burton. Um, I will give you I, that. I like the scenes with that. Obviously, it's a story about um, a father and a son, and the son trying to find out more of his father's past and how much of it is true, because his father spent so many you know, his lifetime telling, uh, you know, kind of uh, truthful lies or the other way around. So um, there's these great scenes where um, they use black and white footage to, to take, you know, sometimes the, the, the change between black and white to color is signifying like life and just kind of new, uh, a new direction and creation. So they use that to have like the main character um, kind of uh, have its influence on the characters and the place he's at uh, using that to kind of, you know, he's bringing his, uh, his presence and making a difference in this, in this town or, you know, whoever else he's uh, interacting with. And so to see that, those very distinct kind of, uh, cer- you know, there's certain, uh, funny enough, blandness to, like, where he's at while they use that, um, uh, that type of uh, uh, coloring for that. Um, and it also signifies flashback scenes um, in the movie. So, yeah, but I really liked how they did it because it, it definitely 
it, it, it's so vibrant, the change when they switch back and forth, um, which definitely keeps my eye focused on it. So, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, so Big Fish. Um, I would say Memento. That's, I think, uh, oh, I don't know. Is that no, that is not black and white. That's a black Dang. and white. Fuck, I wish that, I thought it was. I could be wrong. Maybe, it, maybe I, 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 keep think, I keep thinking of uh, flashback scenes. I think that's what it is. Oh, well, you know what? I'll allow it. I'll allow it in that case. Because you're right. Uh, uh, the flashback scenes are in black and white. Black and white. Yeah. yeah. All right. Memento. Very good. Very good. Uh, so Memento. Um, if you guys haven't seen that, watch it and watch it again because you'll have a totally different perspective on the whole movie after you see it a second time. Um, and more times after that. And uh, gosh, what else, man? I could probably think of so many other ones. You only got one more to go, man. Um, black and white. Uh, <laughs> man. I keep thinking flashbacks. I don't know why. Because it's so... It's used a lot in, in films and... You want me to throw you a couple? Yeah, throw me a couple. Because maybe I'm not All thinking... Right. So there's a Scorsese boxing movie I'm thinking of. There's um, uh, a Kevin Bull. Smith film that I'm thinking of. Clerks. Um, oh, yeah, dude. Clerks. <laughs> of course. Uh, Hell, yeah. Very interesting for the movie to be all shot in black and white, too. And it is save money. Like, save money. Yeah, save money. So they didn't have to light the picture well. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it is interesting to see that movie and see the other characters exist in, the, in some of other uh, some some of Kevin Smith's other films. Um, so it is it is very unique to its you know it's uh, kind of the one of the first films to really take those characters and maybe the black and white also you're not like visually drawn to things and maybe that's also like a thing like I know it's like saving on the budget but also. Like, you're focused just on these characters and not too much on what's in the background. Uh, exactly. Which, which could be a thing, yeah, kind of like a, a, a play on their part. So, um, Well, Orson Welles used to say that black and white is the actor's friend. Ah, um, uh, yeah. You know, because you're right. You're only focusing on the performance. You're not thinking, oh, wow, her hair is very blonde or those eyes are super yeah. blue or the background. It, it, it definitely is a different experience, I think, with film. And uh, for the pure. older, yeah, pure for the for the older films that were shot, you know, in black and white, it it also makes you just appreciate, you know, at least the the time they put into the characters and developing them, and really having a chance to 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 look at the characters and appreciate, you know, the dialogue that's happening between all of them. So that's super interesting. I always think of black and white. I don't know why I think of this, but like horror films and how the Ooh. use of blood. And how they use like other, uh, I think like like a chocolate syrup, chocolate syrup, and and those you know those ty- types of tricks because they couldn't they didn't have to worry about the 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 color of it, but mostly I mean mostly the textures I guess. But right, right. At the same, I time, think that uh, was uh, in Psycho that they used ah uh, the chocolate syrup. Fun fact, right there. Fun, fun fact. But that was a challenge because I I guess I gravitate towards more flashback scenes or. Um, you know, I only, I've only experienced and watched so many black and white films in my lifetime, which makes me want to go out and watch more films in that genre, um, especially the old noir films, which, I, which are really cool. So, um, super cool. Yeah. But right that's, on, that's, man. Good that's list. the ones I could think of at the top of my head, dude. That was good. Um, 
Joe, what are your top five? Uh, my top five. So number one, I'm going to go um, Night of the Hunter by Charles Lawton with um, Robert Mitchum. Um, it's a movie about a preacher. It's a, He's a swindler. He's a preacher, but he's also a swindler. And he winds up sharing a prison cell with this guy who had hit a bunch of money. Um, Ooh. And so that sounds really gets, interesting. <laughs> when he gets out of prison, he goes and he marries this inmate's wife and tries to like be a dad to the children, but the children know that he's full of shit and he's got love and hate tattooed on his knuckles. Uh, kind of like that clash on love and hate tattooed. Yeah. Um, but, um, so it's, it's a really good, and the kids run away and they like go down river and like, it's great. Um, it's really good. Um, and it's the only film Charles Lawton never directed. Um, so not of the hunter at number five. It's beautiful, beautiful movie. Um, number four, Charlie Chaplin's The Great Dictator. Um, oh, yeah. That's we've talked about it on the show before. It's Plenty. such a... It's funny. It's... it's um, and it's still relevant, even today. That movie mm-hmm. will bring me to tears um, in a couple parts. You know? Yeah. I mean... I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's a, it's such a beautiful message and beautiful, um, way of, of telling that message to the people, you know what I mean? Because he was trying to say, Hey guys, you know, fucking Hitler he's bad motherfucker. And everyone's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, it's, that's happening over there. Um, so that was while he was making the movie and everyone's, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't talk shit. You shouldn't do that. And then before the movie comes out, Pearl Harbor happens and they're like, this is the best fucking thing. You need to go around the country and give that speech and blah, blah, blah. blah. So, um, but, and it's shot beautifully, you know, I mean, it's, I don't think it's, it's the most, I don't think it's more gorgeous than night of the hunter, but I have a stronger connection to it, um, as a film. So that would, that's number four. Um, number three, Billy Wilder's sunset Boulevard. Um, I fucking love this movie. It's about a, a an out of work screenwriter, um, played by uh, William Holden, and um, he his car breaks down and uh, he winds up in this old mansion from the twenties. Um, he's like it's, it was an old crazy mansion, like the old crazy movie stars used to make. You know, <laughs> um, the pool used to have parties a thousand uh, midnights ago or something like that. Oh, like wow. the language is so beautiful in it, mm-hmm. um, and we meet. Um, What's her name? Norma Desmond, um, who is just this crazy old movie actress who thinks the world is clamoring for her return. Um, and she kind of keeps him there almost against his will, but not really. And then by the time he does want to leave, uh, it's too late. And oh, um, man, it's a plot twist. It's so good, dude. Um, I, I highly recommend. I think it's on Netflix. I, I could be wrong, but I love this movie to death. Um, it's one of my favorites, Sunset Boulevard. And Sunset it's beautifully Boulevard. shot. Beautifully shot. Um, number two, I watched this movie um, with my mom on Christmas night uh, a few years back, probably five or six years ago. Um, it's called The Bad and the Beautiful. And the Bad and the Beautiful. It's directed by, I believe, Vincent Minnelli. And uh, Kirk Douglas is the star. He's uh, Jonathan Shields. What? He's, he's a son of a bitch. He's a, <laughs> he's a son of a bitch movie producer. And um, so the movie starts out, they bring in a guy, a girl, and another guy. One guy is a director, the girl is a star, and the guy is a very successful writer. And um, they're kind of like, 
um, I know you, you probably won't want to hear this, but uh, Jonathan Shields wants to make a picture with you people. And each person, so the whole movie plays out like three separate vignettes. Um, each person tells the story of how they were befriended and then eventually got fucked over by Kirk Douglas's oh, character. And it is interesting. It is crazy um, the things that he does to these people and the ways that he, he screws them over. Oh, you piqued um, my interest. <laughs> it's, I love it. It's really good. Um, and it's just like one of those old Hollywood movies about Hollywood that kind of <laughs> From just three different perspectives. Yeah, it's, it's so good. It's so good. Um, and then number one, of course, how could it be any other? The Third Man. Um, directed by Carol Reed, 1949. Orson Welles, Joseph Cotton, mm-hmm. Anita Valley. Um, uh, to, I, if you were to ask me what is the most gorgeous film ever made, The Third Man would be my answer. Um, the way that they light and um, shot the cobblestone streets of war-torn Vienna. They would spray it down with a hose so it was just glistening, you know. Oh, that's so cool. And, and the shadows against the wall. It's, it's, the, it's pitch perfect film noir. Um, so those are, my, those are my top five black and white movies. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. Is is the third man? Is that your Desert Island top five of all it time? It is. It, it is. is right. It's number four or five on my top five. Ah, yeah. It's so good. It's. So, it's I always rem- I always remember the crooked shots mm. in the film. That's yeah. the one thing I always remember. I forget which director went up to Carol Reed after the premiere and was like, a, he gave him a level. <laughs> I was like, use this next time. He's like, nope. <laughs> it's an artistic choice. Watch. Watch. Check it out. <laughs> in 10, in 16 years, and when they're making the Batman TV show, they're going to put this to good fucking use. <laughs> um, but, you know. Oh, man. Getting real hey, nerdy Batman. there. Do they, do they have any black and white Batman? The serials, yes. Serials. Um, Batman and then Batman and Robin. And they had really racist villains because it was during World War II. Uh, Dr. Decker. Was the uh, like I, I think he's like a Japanese like crime lord or something? It's really horrible. Uh, it's really horrible Yakuza. shit. Yakuza. Um, I would love to see a black and white movie with the Joker. Like I don't think you need to see the purple. I think you'd get it. I think you'd you yeah. Know. Um, so I think yeah they had Doctor Decca and I think the other ones the villain was called like the Wizard or something like that. So they're just, Wizard. it's not like they're fucking comic book characters or anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's which not is from a bummer. The, like rogues. But yeah, I would love to see a modern day black and white Batman movie. That's my dream. That'd be interesting. That'd be a, definitely a different move, I think, for right now. Yeah. No, Not really knowing what's happening with like the kind of DCU, or at least what DC is going to do with those movie franchises. And are they going to do a franchise or are they going to keep going? I don't think they'd ever do a black and white. It'd be cool if they did what um, James Mangold and uh, uh, George Miller did was on Blu-ray release the black and white versions of Fury Road and Logan. You know. Oh yeah. Oh, Fury Road. There's a black and white version of that. Yeah. Called the Chrome Ooh, version. That's interesting because that mm-hmm. movie is so highly visual and. And George um, Miller says that that's his preferred way to watch it. Really? He's like, that's how I want the movie to look. That's how it should look. Oh, is in yeah, black man. and white. But again, it's I think it goes back to being able to focus on the characters and like yeah. really, really watch what's unfolding in front of you. 
Whereas, like, when you, of course, when you watch it, the, the original version, when they, you know, they had it uh, premiere, uh, it's so vibrant. Like, you're sitting there like, oh, it's my God. It's incredibly is, vibrant. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, oh, my God, this is great. But, like, you know, you might be missing out on, you know, certain things or, you know, not catching up on, uh, picking up on certain cues from the characters. Um, but, yeah, dude, black and white. I mean, it's, it's, such, it's such a different experience. So thank thank you for bringing that up because now I want yeah. yeah I definitely want to watch more. You're gonna do a deep dive. Deep dive. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Good. Shawnee, what what do you got for me, sir? Um, this is uh, switching gears to some gaming right now. Ooh, okay, okay. Um, so I was just sitting down on the PlayStation Network and I saw uh, Black Ops Three was just on. Uh, on the free P- uh, PSN download, so I downloaded for it. PS4 or PS3? PS, sorry, PS4. Uh, Shit, really? PSN. Yeah. Oh my! I'm gonna have to it. download that. Yeah, and God I had a profile damn. before, and um, I had to re- restart it. But it's a cool game, and it made me think. Oh my gosh! Like it's been a while since I've played some shooters, so. Um, yeah, oh, man. man. What, oh, what are man. your top five? <laughs> oh, the anticipation's killing me. You asking me this right now? <laughs> <laughs> what are your top five video game first-person shooters or shooters right. in general? Can be third. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. So number one, I think you know what it's going to be, we're, right? We're probably going to both share this one. 007 Goldeneye, because how could it not? Uh, <laughs> it's it's a perfect game. Like it really is just amazing it's so good um and i just feel bad for the kids who grew up after (laughs) you know and didn't experience the n64 as like their main kind of thing because i mean this game still works i threw it on a few months ago and it still plays well unlike a lot of other old older games but yeah i can't imagine a bunch of kids growing up with fucking gamecube or we are going to go that far back and you know what I mean? Yeah. I I still think it looks good. I still think it plays well, but it may be a nostalgia factor for me. I don't know. I mean, Um, the weapon arsenal, the characters you can play, the different modes. And that was like when I was starting to get like familiar with, like that's kind of was a new thing for us growing up is kind of like the different modes, man with a golden gun, slappers only. And Um, if you had a game shark, forget about it. Cause then you had every single weapon, every single cheat. DK mode, whatever you wanted, pinball mode. It was um, quite a big game for its time, I think. It was like huge. It, it had a lot, you know, going towards it. Yeah. And I think that's why we all enjoyed playing it, because of that. And four-player multiplayer, man. Fuck. So good. Like going I don't over... think you could ever before, like, run around and shoot your friends. <laughs> and fuck you if you were odd job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, shit. Oh, man. Brings me back, but yeah, number one, Goldeneye, Goldeneye. Number two, um, Black Ops, the first one. Black Ops. This game, yeah. this game got me back into gaming, and it got me online gaming. Um, this was like our. I mean, we would just veg in front of the TV um, in college, Vegging. and thank Christ that um, you know the week of finals, the PSN went down. <laughs> I because that, yeah. I mean I don't I don't know if we could have recovered, man. Um, like this game was our life. I, I remember downloading the the uh, mobile version 
so I could play it in my off season while I was at work <laughs> or, or wherever, you know, like when I wasn't near my PS4 or three PS3. Um, those are the two off the top of my head. Nightfire. Ooh, yes. 007, another... It was Nightfire, right? Is that the Nightfire, title? Nightfire, yeah. With, uh, again, a very similar... That was like you can set up, like, bots. And, you can finally set up blo- uh, bots and the snow level where there's, like, the two bases on either end of the map and then there's a tram going around. Yeah. And you had rocket launchers and they were seekers so you could, like, shoot and then guide the missile to That's the target. Right. And sniping. That was so sniping much fun. Was so fun on that. Sniping, yeah, if you're a bitch. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> this, this, this seeker missiles are the exact same thing, um, <laughs> if not worse. But, uh, yeah. And there were little things, like, I think there were, like, little helicopters, and you could, like, be the little bomb helicopter and, like, blow things up. And oh, yeah. That was Oosh. a lot of fun. Damn, there was a lot, again, a lot in that game. And I, it's funny because I feel like I don't, you know, games today, like shooters today, you know, sometimes they have those kind of things, but I don't think they're as, for me, as exciting as like playing yeah. a game like that, you know? Well, and you know, I feel like a lot of things too is games today are, are getting almost too big. The levels are too big. You can't memorize them. You can't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. After a few playthroughs, you know the map of Goldeneye, you know the map of Black Ops, but then when the levels are too big, how do you orient yourself or have any type of flow or rhythm, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, maybe yeah. maybe you just need to play a lot more, but I'm not trying to play that much. So Yeah. That's very interesting observation, man. Yeah. I, I think so. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um those are my top three. And really it's all gonna be like this. Ooh, you know what I'll say? Um What's it's not Call of Duty, it's the other one. Uh Battle Battlefield? Battlefield, but it's the one where God, what was it called? Battlefield something. It was um where it almost it played out like a comedy. Oh did it take place in the Vietnam War or um I'm looking it up now. Um but yeah, Battlefield. I gotta look it up. My phone is like, nope, nope, no internet, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> but Battlefield, Easy Company, or, or something like that. Something Company. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Bad Company. Bad Bad's, Company yeah. was a good game. That was a very good game um, and a lot of fun. Battlefield. Yeah, I, I don't think I played that one, but I remember, I always so remember, good. it had like the smiley face. That, like, yes, was, yes, like on the grenade. Tag, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the, like the tag or the picture for it. Yeah. Um, and that they've yeah. uh, definitely produced a lot of ser- uh, a lot of games under the Battlefield series. I think they they're have, working on yeah. another one right now. So. Yeah. Um, and then the last one that I'm going to say is Call of Duty 2. On I believe Xbox 360, um, that game, I think was kind of the first step in revolutionizing what you could do with a first-person shooter. And it was so deep and so just 
engaging on an, on another level that we hadn't seen before. And it's not like you had machine guns or anything like that. You were working with World War II artillery, and and it was still that level of excitement and holding your breath and just you know kind of thing. It was it's a really good game. Yeah, I don't know how well it it holds up, but I I really enjoyed it back in the day. I mean, yeah, it'd be interesting to play some of these games. Like, I mean, if I had my hands on like an old Xbox or. Um, like an Xbox 360. Oh, that'd be crazy to play those. I'm, I'm trying to remember. I think there was what was Medal of Honor? Was that was that Call of Duty? No, no, no. I mean that was its own thing. It was Medal of Honor. That was Medal of Honor. Yeah. I feel like I like growing up. I kind of grew that. Uh, sorry, I kind of played that a lot more, but it's not on my list. So. <laughs> oh man. Well, what um, what are your top five first person shooters, Shani? Dude, we share a number one again. <laughs> Hell yeah! It is Goldeneye uh, for all the reasons above, and it's crazy. You still have a copy of it. I believe I have one back in my house, but I might have two copies of it if I'm being frank <laughs> with you. And it's it's funny because I remember seeing. I think they did like an HD remaster, like a re-release on some computer or emulator. And it was cool. Wasn't that on a, a GameCube or something? I think th- there's been multiple. There was ones. a like version. The, there was a game. There was a version. Something. Yeah, there was a version for uh, the GameCube, and then there was a version that just I think modders just like put out. Yeah, oh, and nice. uh, yeah, dude. <laughs> so, um, but after seeing it, just like it, nothing touches the original one, man. So. Goldeneye all the way. Uh, favorite character was uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Boron Samadhi. <laughs> that was a cool character. He was crazy. And then, man, every now and then, Bond. I would say Bond. Or what's his name? Boris. <laughs> Boris. <laughs> I'm invincible. I'm invincible. But that game was that was pretty fun, dude. Yeah. Um, I have. Call of Duty Black Ops is number two. I think we have the same list here, dude. Oh, man. Uh, Black Ops 1, and then I've been playing Black Ops 3, which has been great. So I, I decided just to squish those together. Okay, um, cool. I mean, a lot of the Call of Duty series, is, there's a lot of unique, you know, they've definitely evolved to different kind of types of warfare, too, over the times, like, a, you know, from World War to um, kind of like a futuristic uh, battles and, you know, so many years from now, but uh, yeah. Black Ops was very interesting. It started to introduce more of the kind of customization and the you know the 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 uh, height of kind of online play in the Call of Duty community. And um, yeah, it was like the just so many different things that were being kind of evolved and developed. And I feel like it has its like start with like Black Ops, even though a lot of the pre- pre- uh, predecessors and like previous. Um, Call of Duty um, franchises or just titles have kind of built upon that, but I think Black Ops really like brought it together. Um, yeah, I, Black Ops is a perfect game. I don't. Yeah, you'll you'll like uh, Black Ops Three because it's it's definitely cool. there's more cu- customization. There's different like not classes, but there's like there's different classes as far as like guns you can make, but like you could actually have different classes for the person, and they have like abilities. Oh, okay, nice. And you can kind of do this Halo thing where you can, like, kind of, like, jetpack up. Or you can ride on the wall. You can, like, walk on the wall. See, that's just too much bullshit. I don't want any of that. 
I it, just it want is, give me a gun and let me run around. Like very that's true, all. but at the same time, it's it when you get the hang of it, it's pretty crazy because you can really do some interesting things with the map and how to now strate- like kind of strategi- strategize yourself play, to move it. Was it Advanced Warfare that also had a jetpack kind of thing? Yeah, because I, so I, I have that one. I yeah, played that, that one. That one I think was very similar. I think similar, and I think they integrated that that gameplay into the Black Ops series. Gotcha. In okay. Black Ops 3, I think 2 or 3. Um, but, yeah, man, I, Call of Duty, man, it's just sh- quick, uh, easy, shooting, you know, pretty much die every time, <laughs> and then, you know, kind of get a couple kills in there. But um, I think it's just that, that fast-paced, the kind of gameplay you get with, like, the Call of Duty series, I feel like, especially the online, it's like a specific pacing that instant gratification, you know, you don't have to explore a huge world, just <laughs> jump into battle, pretty much. So. <laughs> um, I actually, so for my number three, I'm going to actually move it. Uh, you mentioned it, Nightfire. I didn't think about that game, and nice. just had to make the list at number three. Very um, nice. I remember that snow level and uh, using the carts. Uh, I remember there was these suitcases you can put down. They're like um, That's right. turrets. Yeah, yeah, you can, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Put them, you know, halfway in the map, and like try to get people, you know, you get some coverage as far as uh, you know some armed artillery, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it definitely had that still that customization, and I think they had also weapon loads, like very similar to Goldeneye, where um, you have a certain category of weapons, so you would get like all submachine guns or like all um, like explosives, and I always thought that was really. Uh, unique for like the the James Bond series of games like they always had like that kind of thing with the weapon load where you can start a match and then you'll have just specifically these weapons for the match and that changes the whole like kind of gameplay for, for multiplayer so um, yeah so that's Nightfire and let's see here I had, I had to move a couple things uh, I have Counter-Strike I've never played Counter-Strike. I I was... My brother was probably more obsessed with it. My younger brother was probably more obsessed with it than I was. But um, it was interesting because it was, was, I think, PC-based. There was a a definitely community. And since it's on PC, there's all these different modders. So they would, like, make maps. And they would do different skins for the guns. And it was very modeled after the Call of Duty multiplayer, you know, quick rounds and... um, you know, they had like kind of small maps where you can kind of get the hang of, you know, you get used to the maps and you, you know, um, you get used to interacting with people online and, and playing and, and strategizing and um, definitely highly addictive nice. <laughs> for sure. And, you know, I wish I played it more, uh, but it's one that sticks out as far as like I, I you know, I played it growing up and um, now outside of the console realm, I think that was like one of the PC games I played the most. So, um, Got Counter Strike, and then uh, fuck, number that's number five, right? Number five. You're on. Sorry, on number five. uh, I have Halo Three, specifically Halo Three because there's a gravity mode you can put on there, and then you can use like a bunch of vehicles, and just some of the old past weapons that are in there, and it was on the Xbox 360. Uh, yeah, playing like zero gravity and trying to like try to like kill your best friends across the map is pretty entertaining. 
Um, but it was cool. It was, it was you know, like, you know, the Halo world, so they have vehicles that you can traverse in, and it was very, you know, the map was bigger, but you were able to still navigate and, you know, kind of get a, get a footing for, like, what, you know, where you should be or where you should be, um, you know, kind of uh, strategizing and um, kind of planning your attack. So, nice. Um, but, yeah, those are kind of my five. I've been playing a lot of, like, Battlefront, and there's a lot of, like, I would say love-hate feelings with that game, especially all the surrounding controversies with it. Um, but I still love Star Wars, and I, you know, I feel like I should bump that on my list, but I'll, I'll put it as the number six Battlefront. Right on. Um, love Star Wars, man. And, it's, and it's, there's the older games were, I think, Battlefront 2 was probably the best one. And then out of the new ones, I, I still liked Battlefront 1, which came out a couple weeks last year. Nice. But, uh, yeah, that is my top five for, for that I can think of, man. It gets tough because we've, we've seen so many different games over the years, and um, it's really the ones that, that I think we feel like we've been engaged and spent a lot of time with that we really feel like those are the games that really leave an impression, I would say. So, um, like GoldenEye, I feel like, you know, it's such a, it's such a strong game and... You know, like that that experience we tried again some of the games we play t- these days, but I feel like it will it will never be as the first time we start playing Goldeneye. So, yeah, hell yeah, I love yeah, it. Um, I'm starting to hear double voices, so if I sound weird, kids, it's coming back in through my headphones. But <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna press on, and now it's gone. Um, so this. <laughs> Uh, every week on the show, we, do, we have a segment. Um, for a while now, it's been Beatles. We started all the way. We're going to do this, kids. We started with Please Please Me. We, then the next week we did um, with the Beatles, A Hard Day's Night, Beatles for Sale, Help, Rubber Soul, Revolver, Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band, Magical Mystery Tour, <laughs> The White Album, Yellow Submarine, Abbey Road, let it be. And then we did um, our top five favorite Beatles albums, albums, followed by Past Masters Volume 1. Last week we did Past Masters Volume 2. Two. <laughs> and this week we're going to take a look at um, an album that is not canon, but it was produced by George Martin, uh, who produced all of the Beatles records except for Let It Be. And even there he had some fingerprints on that album. And his son, uh, how do you pronounce that? Giles Martin? G I L E S. I think so, yeah. Um, but this was uh, this album was made for the Circus Soleil show, um, and it kind of gave them a chance to go back and, you know, some of the songs are are just kind of sound they sound ported as is, right? But mm-hmm. they did a lot of restructuring and a lot of used different takes and blended songs together, and it's it's fun to listen to. Now this, um, I think we've both talked about how one was our first Beatles record, our introduction to the Beatles. Yeah. This is like my second introduction oh, to the Beatles. So it's kind of like growing up Catholic, uh, but your reference point being Last Temptation of Christ. Like, wait, <laughs> no, that's not, that's not it. That's not right. That's not what the Bible <laughs> says. Um, so it's interesting to having now listened to, you know, the, the canonical Beatles records and then to hear, I can appreciate this album that much more. Lamore, yeah. Um, and on the same, same, or the other side of the coin, it, it, it threw me when I listened to the quote unquote real versions of these songs 
when we were going through the albums. So it was, it's kind of a trip. Um, but Shani, what were your what were your reactions to this album, and what are your top five favorite tracks off of Love? Um, you're right, man. It, it did kind of throw me off a little bit too, because <laughs> it it's uh, you you're now going into it knowing like this was you know produced by George Martin, and it it was very kind of a similar thing to um, you know some of their past kind of musical works, you know a collection of of their past catalogs and songs, but weaved in a certain way to tell this story with the, with the, um, the Cirque du Soleil performance. And, um, so it was very interesting to kind of hear this and now taking this album as its own and, and really kind of like separating my mind from like these songs, you know, are part of this album and they're, you know, this specific album and now kind of taking it as like, this is a playlist of songs that, are you know supposed to tell the story and or at least you know uh give the viewer a sense of of um something to follow and um yeah it was very interesting man i actually really want to see this show now and and really experience it so next time joey we party up in vegas (laughs) we're gonna have to do actually i feel like we gotta we gotta make a trip to vegas (laughs) sometime soon (laughs) that doesn't sound like a bad plan (laughs) But yeah, no. uh, super like interested to see it, to see that um, if uh, if we make our way out there. But I'm gonna go. This is a it's and it is tough because I have like oh, man, some of the songs do work pair together, but I don't have any like. Yeah, I'm trying to think here. I feel like I'm gonna switch some around. Okay, so I'm gonna go five. Um, if I fell, ooh, uh, I wish I can. I mean, we've talked about these songs before, and I really want to watch. I, that's why I really want to see this in context to the to the um, the Circus Soleil performance, and just to see how that plays out. Um, yeah, but it's uh, out of the like, was it twenty five songs? Like, it was interesting to hear this version of it, and. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's definitely uh, it's definitely a song I wouldn't expect on this record. I would say, yeah, or in this you know this playlist, and it's definitely got this kind of interesting. Uh, it's almost like sad and longing. I, I don't know how to really explain it, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it, you know, it's definitely um, kind of follows some of the other songs on the record too. Um, so I have "If I Fell" is number five. Um, I have "Something" on as number four. I always gravitate towards something. Um, again, it's very visual of a song. I always feel, and it's interesting to pick that song and have it represented as a as a show, and you know, with the with Circus Soleil. Um, so that's true. I haven't thought of it like that. Yeah, and that, that's, that's the thing. I, I guess with the songs too is you know how they were able to. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, when you do like a a playlist, of, another word for playlist. Um, they do it with films. A with remix, people, like film festivals. Um, uh, I can't think of that word. Describe it one more time. Uh, a collection, uh, putting together a playlist, especially like in a film festival, like that, uh, 
that term. Oh, like I can't a curation? Think... Curation, yes. There's no limit to what we can curation. Curation. Sorry, I'm going mad with the heat up in here. Same, man. It is. <laughs> I'm sweating every... I'm just dabbing my forehead every yeah. 0.3 seconds. It is my, it's my computer, I can tell. It's, it's just burning like super crazy hot right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, so something for four. Um, I have three. She's leaving home. Um, and then... I always switch these ones, but... Two yesterday and one long and winding road. Okay. Um, again, I really want to see how this is in context to like the show because you know I could probably I might have a different interpretation of the songs too. But I'm going as as a I guess not a guilty pleasure, but as something I just love those songs and maybe that's why I put them at the top of my list. Um, Hell yeah. Well, but so the. The yesterday version on this album, I don't know if you you picked up on it, but it starts with uh, Blackbird. Oh, yeah. Okay, maybe I didn't pick up... Yeah, maybe I thought they were separate songs. That's why. Interesting. blended them together. But you know what's really interesting is um, the songs that you have, I'm thinking they might have been... They might have started adding songs to the Love soundtrack because I bought mine back in like 07... Or 08. Oh, shit. And a lot of these aren't on there. But then on iTunes, there's some that aren't on the CD that I have or different versions than the CD that I have. That's so I, interesting. Isn't that crazy? Like, uh, a director's cut, like uh, Blade Runner. It, so many yeah, different versions there's the fine it. cut and the director's cut and the U.S. cut and the British cut. Um, I, I should have done more research on that because, uh, yeah, that's crazy. I'm just curious which version, you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. it, it's like, the one shit, I, now there's more to listen to. I'm trying to figure out where I pulled that up. Cause I think I, I was going off of, I think I wasn't able to find it on Spotify. Oh, so I had okay. to look elsewhere. So gotcha. probably somewhere where Google, uh, landed me, but, oh um, that's just Google. <laughs> so now I'm interested to hear yours cause you might have some songs that. Yes. On my list. <laughs> so at number five, I've got a day in the life. It's very stripped down. It opens Fuck. with, you hear John Lennon just in the microphone going, sugar bum fairy, sugar bum fairy. <laughs> and, that's, and then I learned later that that's the way he was counting instead of one, two, three, four, sugar bum fairy, you know. Um, and it just starts off, and it, I never really realized that it's just him and an acoustic guitar for the beginning of the song because there's so much other stuff going on on the, on the Sgt. Pepper version of that. That really, it's yeah. just him and, a, him and an acoustic guitar, but the song feels so much bigger than that because it eventually becomes so much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. But it's really nice to hear that stripped-down version. And in the same breath, at number four, Strawberry Fields Forever. They do a really beautiful version, stripped-down, of Strawberry Fields that I'm absolutely in love with. Um, number three, this is my rockin'. Rock and roll song, and when I'm like rock and roll, mad at the president, this is what I throw on, or uh, just want to, you know, pretend like I'm going to throw it on in the car and pretend that we're a band again, and I'm going to sing live, and like this is why we're coming up. Ah. Um, <laughs> it's two songs, but the so it's revolution, um, and, but it's like sped up. It's like it's kind of like the the single version that begins with the the you know screeching guitar. You say yeah, you want yeah. a rebel, but it feel they cut out a verse. They cut out the whole um, 
Ho Chi Minh reference and all that. So it's only like two verses long now. Mm-hmm. So it's a much more tighter song. It's more punk rock feeling. And as the chords are sustaining when the song ends, you hear the plane, shoo, and back in the USSR starts going. Um, and they cut that down too, which is you hear it and you're like, oh, this is perfect. This is the way the song should, this would, yes. It's like a yeah. two minute headbanger now instead <laughs> of the three and a half, four minute, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, it makes you really experience the song in a different way. Like, so, it, yeah. It definitely changes the, um, I don't, I don't think the version I, I saw had that on there. So I'm really interested to listen to that now. Oh man, this is, um, yeah. I'm rocking down when the, I'm listening to this. Like stripped down, I think was like some of those songs definitely like it's interesting to hear it like, you know, there's sometimes they could become so grand with the orchestras and you know whatever else is on it, but like, you know, it comes back to just you know the the original the you know, Fab Four man like the original four yeah. and their how they wrote songs and how they were sonically, you know, represented. So, it yeah. is kind of interesting to use it that instead of you would think maybe for like. A circus delay performance, um, <laughs> it would be more grand and right. You know, add you know add extra to it, and you know it's cool to like get that kind of version of it where it's cut down and shortened and. It's it's I think I feel like to me it's the closest the Beatles will ever come to punk rock is those two songs. Ooh, I like that. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. Um, number two, speaking again of stripping down. <laughs> uh, the version of uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps on this album. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. It's fully acoustic. There's verses that aren't in the original song. And if I'm being honest, this might be sacrilegious. I prefer this version. Um, ah. I think it's just stunning. I love it. I, I think also because the the lyrical content, you know, my, you know, while my guitar gently weeps, you know, they're kind of talking about a guitar, like the, the one instrument. And so it, it, I feel like it's more fitting to have a stripped down version of that where it's like, you're more focused on, you know, this person kind of letting out their whole, you know, emotions and heart out onto their instrument and really living in the, you know, in that moment. So exactly. That's an interesting decision for, for to take that, you know, to to kind of connect that with the the lyrical content that's yeah. happening. It's pretty cool. So, um, pretty cool. Yeah. And then number one, this is what this album does best is um, you'll hear bits and little pieces of other songs and they combine them into one. Um, like uh, when the album kicks off, you hear the opening chords What's what's the famous chord? Is it um, a hard day's night or is it the just that dun? And you it's think it's going to be that, and then you hear the Ringo drum solo from Abbey Road, <laughs> and then it goes right into Get Back. It's just such a like what? But that's not even that's not even my number one. My number one is Drive My Car, and you're like again they they cut it down to like one verse and you're singing along and all of a sudden and it goes perfectly you're like you can drive my car beep 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 yeah the word love beep 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 yeah word like and it goes, <laughs> so it goes into the word and then it goes a step further into uh what you're doing off of Beatles for sale and and then it comes all the way it comes full circle and goes back into drive my car and you're just like what oh and it God, sounds dude. like the coolest Fucking just ah, oh, I love don't, it. I, 
don't you want to see this live? I, I want to see I do. this. I really do. Yeah. I, I, you know what? We should plan a trip to Vegas solely just to go see that. And maybe gamble and do some, have some fun. <laughs> but yes, that's and po- yes. And podcast. Oh, podcast about it on the way there. Yeah. Ooh, oh, okay. <laughs> Piss off the entire plane of people. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shut up. These two morons were kicked off a plane for insisting on recording a podcast during the flight. <laughs> oh, we can drive, man. <laughs> yeah. Trek it was Southwest, it. man. It was Southwest. Um, but yeah, very I good. Like um, I don't know what the hell our next thing is going to be. Um, I don't know, man. But we'll figure it out. We don't. I figure we're not going to do our weekly thing next week because we don't really know how next week is going to go down. Dear Diary <laughs> audience, we're um, you nervous yet? You guys nervous? We're not nervous. Yeah. <laughs> we're not it's nervous. Fun. It's fine. No, we're good. Kind of. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we'll figure out what we're uh, if we're going to continue with some Beatles stuff, or uh, if we if we're going to find a new thing to talk about. Yeah. I still think we could at least at the very least go through like top five John songs, Paul songs, so Ooh, forth. Yeah. That could be like fun. That. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Shawnee, is there uh, anything you'd like to share with our dear dear imaginary audience this week? Uh, nothing much this week. I'm super hot in this room right now. I'm sweating. Pretty crazy, you so cocky uh, motherfucker. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just uh, oh, I had actually something I was thinking about. Ah, uh, oh, crap! What was it? Oh, I can't think of anything. I had something very. Oh, I started watching Future Man on Hulu. It's a Hulu exclusive. It's been out. I think it came out like last year. Um, I think it sounds really familiar. Two seasons deep. It's the guy. Uh, if you guys watch the Hunger Games, he was the like Josh other, Hudson. Josh Hudson. There you go. And it's produced by Seth Rogen, right? I believe so. I th- yeah, 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 so. yeah, yeah. I think um, I watched like the first episode of that. Yeah, it was super interesting. So I only got like three episodes in so far, but obviously I gravitated towards it because it's time travel, and of course they make a couple. Back to the Future references in it, um, but yeah, I've been kind of digging the show, and I can't, nice. you know, I can't wait to finish it off and just see where it goes from there. But I bet it guys... will enjoy when you finish it off. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, thank you, Sean. You... Thank you kindly. Very welcome, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you guys have Hulu, check it out, and um, uh, also go England. Uh, go England. England's in the semifinals, I think, in, in the World Cup right yeah, now. I've got to represent my, my other half um, and my, my Faja. So, <laughs> and <laughs> it's going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I cannot wait to see what happens with that game because, you know, I really hope they, they go through and it'll be a good win for England. So, Up the blades. Uh, I know, <laughs> I know, it's not the blades, but up, up them, <laughs> up them, yeah, um, hell yeah, and, and much love to my family in England, of course. So all the love, all the love, all the love. Uh, Joe, do you have anything to share this week? Squat, my friend. Other than come check out our live show tomorrow night if you're in the Monterey area. Um, we want to see you there. We want to we want to read your lists uh, on stage. So submit them. 
either on Instagram in the comments or message us or DM us or, you know, slide, slide into our DMs with some top fives. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. So I'm excited. You excited? I'm excited. I'm a little nervous. But you know what? Nervous. Hey, man, we've been podcasting for 100 episodes now. We've played bands. We've had, we were actually veterans to East Village for a little bit, too, actually. It's true. It's true, uh, man. So. so I have great confidence the show will go uh, well and we'll, you know, it, we'll meet, hopefully, some new people um, and get some new followers and also see some familiar faces. So I, I sure hope so, man. It's going to be fun. Excited. And I'll um, be going to the bars after. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's going down. <laughs> um, Shawnee, where can we find more of your work on the internet this week, sir? Uh, you guys can find me on Instagram, Shawnee Music, at Shawnee Music, <laughs> and on my website, ShawneeMusic.net. Joey, yeah. where can we find more of your work? <laughs> You can check me out at uh, Joey Prati on Instagram, but it's private. Um, but you can also check out my website, joeypratiscripts.com, which is very much public. Um, you can also check out and follow the show on Gmail, Instagram, and Twitter at Top5Pod. That's T-O-P-F-I-V-E-5-P-O-D. Um, and check us out on Facebook at Top5Podcast. Give us a follow. Give us a listen. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. Links in the fucking bio. So there's no excuse there's no excuse. Um, check us out. And us out. Uh, we will love you forever. Shawnee, that, uh, that wraps up our show. I think we had a, we had a, we had a good time tonight. So uh, yeah. thank you for making my Monday suck just a little less. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing you on Friday. Yeah, man. Oh, my We're gosh. Some real heterosexual fun, I think. <laughs> May dip our toe the other way. I don't know. I don't know what happened. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be a monumental moment. It will be in the history of podcasting. In the history of podcasting. (laughs) Um, Me too. (laughs) Until next time, I'm Joey Parati. And I'm Sean Day. Thanks Thanks for listening. Hey now.